Sofia Fyodorovna Semyonova with her big dumb face. <laughs> the longest Sofia Fyodorovna. <laughs> Winner all chairs bolted to the We're not told that. that. Yeah, we do. We're not told that. It is written. It is written. <laughs> Welcome to horror season, everybody. Yay! Horror Yay. season. Yay! Cheers to the best month ever. Horror horror season. Yeah. Excellent. Horror season. Oh, I, I, I heard what you did there. I don't know what so, you're talking uh, I am uh, in my favorite <laughs> place in the world, a creepy cabin with a creepy fire, uh, possibly some creepy faces in all these windows. So just let me know if, if you see something. That's what I want to see. I got I the shoddy see. over there loaded up over there, ready to go. So Ready to go. Uh, but yeah, no, no uh, well, yeah, I got to oil it up. No better place to watch horror movies by yourself than in a creepy cabin in the woods on a lake. So, uh, anyway, how's your October so far, McCurts? It's pretty good. I've, I've seen, uh, I watched The Exorcist and I watched The Fly. Good. Good. And then I'm starting, going to get on my usual kick of wanting to watch the Universal Monster movies. So Nice. Doing that as well. I just stockpile horror movies all year. And then I just, you know, I try not to watch them, you know. And then I just watch them all. I got to keep an eye on this fire, too. Every time I hear a pop, I'm going to be like, oh! It might burn the place down. <laughs> but yeah, and then just in October, I just go nuts. It's fantastic. Uh, I just real quick, K1, if you're still with us, um, this is true. Whatever happens, we still have Exorcist 3. So, uh, I which I just watched a few hours ago, rewatched a few hours ago, and it's great as always. Um, that I don't think will ever mess with the original, but I don't know. It's 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 what's nice about that movie is that it's just like a different cup of tea. You know, and you know me, that's what I like. I like when I, like, I'm the guy who likes when Bond movies do something new rather than just doing the same thing every time. So uh, anyway, let's uh, get to it. Ready, McCurds? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to go full screen because I'll probably just reshoot this later. Yeah, you're going to redo it. It's all good. Yeah, I'll redo it later. All right. The exorcist believer ups the exorcism ante by giving us not one possessed little girl, but two possessed little girls. It follows the original exorcist films, true to life approach, honing in on the human drama of the characters and using this knowledge to heighten the intensity of the exorcism scenes. But does it go far enough? Not quite like Creed three. The final fight feels just a beat short of truly earning its payoff. And that payoff was designed to come down to a simple choice that the odd team of exorcist super friends a witch doctor, a Catholic priest, a Baptist minister, the parents, etc., were forced to make. Only that choice was written as to be stacked in the favor of one of the girls over the other, thereby weakening the emotional significance and intended tragedy of the climax. So just like the creator, the movie is very effective and creepy up until the third act, where it comes off as rushed and contrived, and therefore doesn't hold a votive candle to its predecessors. Speaking of which, they brought back the original characters and for some reason did absolutely nothing with them. Which is probably the biggest misstep of the movie. It was like, okay, so you just what? brought them back just because they wanted a paycheck 
and right. uh, you just right. wanted to loosely connect it to the the previous, not quite true. I know there's like roughly four or five movies. It's not even a, there's a five movies, but yeah, this is not a, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk all yeah, about let's it. Let's talk about it right talk now. About, all about it. Let's all talk about it. Let's all talk about these movies, shall we? Um, yeah. Let's get ranked. We're almost, we're, we're, we are getting very close to the end, my friend. Yes. We're getting close to the end. And I feel we're like we're going to cap at 52. Just, let's just, just go to the end of the, let's just go. I want to go 2023 to movies the rest of our lives. There's got to be. Yeah, a, that's all we do. We this never like we haven't even gotten into Bollywood. Though. We I mean, imagine no, how many movies even, we have coming out. There was of a big India. one that came out this year, too. I'm pretty sure there was a big Bollywood movie that, you know, in America, we no one saw. Um, I just wish we could have covered RRR. Let's <laughs> I just I wish. No heroin. Oh, no oh, heroin. merch. We got our merch, baby. If yeah. you haven't bought any, you should do so because we just get a no heroin really, shirt. So people will look at you what, weird. Everybody needs a no heroin shirt. Yeah. Because there's nothing wrong with that statement. Like if someone got offended, you'd be like, well, what are you pro heroin? <laughs> pro heroin. Pro heroin. Make a pro. No, no one's pro heroin unless you're an, an addict. But um, yeah. let's just talk about this movie. We have The Exorcist Believer. Directed by David Gordon Green, written by Peter uh, Sattler and David Gordon Green. Story by Scott Teams, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, based on characters by William Peter Blatty. And not that so, Danny McBride, right? It is. No, it is. It is? Wow. Because he, 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 it's like him and David Gordon Green are buddies or something. Because they, well, they, they, they did a bunch of, they've done a bunch of stuff together. So, yeah. I'll talk about it, but yeah, they, they, they have, they've done a bunch of stuff together. So let's, let me, let me, I was going to say briefly, but then as I wrote it, I was like, this isn't brief. So I'm going to kind of breeze through these movies, not really the plots or anything like that. Just kind of talk about the, the franchise as a whole, if you will. So let's talk about the Exorcist franchise for a moment. The original was based on William Peter Blatty's book of the same name that was published in 1971. Blatty wrote an adaptation for the 1973 film that was directed by the late William Freakin, best known for The French Connection as well as this film. Uh, Blatty based the script on this his reading of the 1949 exorcism of Roland Doe, which is an, actually an anonymous name for a boy who was 14 years old. I guess it was like very famous story and like he read this and he wanted to write it and make it into a book. There actually, I think it was his... Uh, Publishers were like, kind of said, no, don't do that. Do you don't want to write that? And eventually he said, no, uh, screw it. I'm going to write it because he saw uh, Rosemary's Baby. And he didn't like how Rosemary's Baby ends. So he was like, I'm going to write a better story. Huh. And so he ends up with writing The Exorcist. Wow. And that book became a bestseller. And I actually read that apparently when it first on Pawn release, no one really cared about it that much until he went on a talk show and was talking about, do you think the devil's real? And like, I guess it, it spooked a lot of people and a lot of people went ahead and started reading this book, became an instant bestseller then. And then the McCurry, film- real quick, are do you sound okay in your own ear? Yes, I sound, well, I can't tell. Do I sound bad? Well, I can't, I don't know if that's just my headphones. It might be. <laughs> Being on my mobile unit, uh, I don't Ooh. know, but it's like- Let me continue. It just, it sounds funky. So, okay. I will not talk as loud. Maybe don't okay. be so funky. 
Don't be so funny. No, no, it's it's All more right, like so it's just kind of, it it's it sounds uh it's not like it's it clipping echoing? or anything. No, it's not echoing, it's not clipping, it just sounds like it's uh it sounds like it's a problem on my end, but it's still I don't okay. know have any way to check. So all right. Well, let's just let's continue, shall we? So the let's book was it. a bestseller and the film adaptation was also a smash hit financially and critically. It earned Blatty an Oscar for best adapted screenplay. The film was nominated for several several awards, which is crazy because it's a horror film. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, and Best Sound, which it only won for Best Adaptive Screenplay, but it's like it's a Best Adapted Screenplay by the author of the book, which is even nuts. Uh, the other films, however, didn't garner anywhere near the same praise. Uh, you and I briefly talked about Exorcist II, which was in 1977, directed by Excalibur and Zardoz, Director Jordan, uh, sorry, not Jordan, John Borman was critically panned and made a potential third film look obsolete. And also, Blatty and Freakin were not even involved in that movie uh, at all. It was pretty much let's get a sequel out there kind of mentality. It was, uh, it, but, yeah, it was like let's just uh, let's. It, it was a straight up cash grab, and it's and it feels mm -hmm. that way. It just feels really cheap. Feels um, the whole movie. The reason why it, it's so I just watched it for the first time today, and and the the reason why it it's so terrible. Because the whole movie, you're just sitting there like, what are we getting at? What is the point? And that was, and it, it reflects their mentality in putting it together because it was, I, I briefly looked at Wikipedia and, and I think it was some producer, somebody attached to the project was like, we just wanted to get a sequel out and we wanted to just use unused footage from the first movie and, while just kind of recreating the first movie. So it was a very right. cynical approach to a sequel that nobody cared about other than greenbacks and the whole plot is like this this is another one of those where i go there really is no plot and what i mean by that is there's nothing carrying you from one scene to the next so the whole time whereas in the first movie you're going okay there's i'm concerned about this girl there's an escalation uh, yeah. of like finding and, and, and much what's like going to happen. We're going to talk about. Yeah. Like yeah. what's going to happen to this girl? Something's wrong with her. And now yeah. I've got to go to the doctors. The doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her. Let's go to a psychologist, which in the seventies was a, a big kind of like, not like it is today. People freaking out. And then finally we get to the exorcist, but it's like a buildup versus what you're describing is like uh, event after event after event. It doesn't really tie together. Yeah. Uh, that film. Yeah. Again, critically, Hands, uh, uh, and they weren't going to make, they didn't think they were going to make a third film. Now, Exorcist 3, on the other hand, brought a return to form with the writer, Blatty, taking on the role as writer and the director. It gained a fair box office return, but had mixed reviews. This film was also released through 20th Century Fox, first two through Warner Brothers. That's only significant because apparently this franchise has changed hands by different studios multiple times. Uh, and then in 2004, we got a prequel, uh, Exorcist, The Beginning, again, with poor reviews and a lackluster box office. But then wait, one more year later, uh, we get Paul Schrader, who is famous for being the writer of Taxi Driver, decided he was going to get a stab at it. And he directed Dominion, prequel to, to Exorcist. And again, it was a failure. And then we also got a TV show in 2016. And it only ran about two seasons. So the Exorcist franchise is, it's there, but it's not like this 
huge hit besides the first film. Like the first film mess. you can go online. First film yeah. you can go online and see like Exorcist release 1973. There are lines out the door. Like people, like it was a craze. You know, people yeah. are scared of this movie. It was claimed to be the scariest movie ever made, which watching it now, I'm like, eh, not really. But back then it was huge. And now yeah. it's like every subsequent sequel they've made has not been anywhere near so, as good. Well, okay, so real quick though, just real quick. on uh, the, So it, without getting into it, the fourth and fifth movies are the same movie. That's that's like, that's a whole mess in and of itself. Where they, I don't know if it, they're, I don't know if they are, are they? Because I've never seen either of those. They are. There's like a, there's okay. a, um, it's, I, I can't exactly recall, and that's why I won't get into it too deeply, but it's, they're the same movie. And I remember as, a, so I saw them in high school when they came out, and it was very confusing because they're like the same movie, but, but kind of recut and, uh, or it's like the same script maybe, but it's, but it's like an embarrassing mess. It's not worth getting into because it's an, an embarrassing mess. The only other standout is The Exorcist 3, which was uh, right. my it was my fault. My headphones are being weird. I, I could barely hear anything you said, but oh, we're, okay. we're good. It was my headphones. We're good. Um, but Exorcist 3, I've, I've Exorcist heard this too, 3, is that the third one is is genuinely really good. Yeah, and because it's it's it actually has uh, something to say, it's another one of these stories about a guy struggling with his faith. You get that in the first movie. You get that in the third movie. You get that in Believer, uh, and that's always going to be fodder for a good religious story because there's always going to be people struggling um, and, you know, people coming to the conclusion of, like, uh, evil exists, bad bad things happen to good people, therefore God isn't real, which is, like, in you know, being where I'm at now in my life, I see that as something that, like, a, t like a conclusion that a naive teenager comes to. And adults do it too, but usually it's because something bad happened to them and they haven't yet seen how that bad thing will inevitably lead to some good in their life, or at least they refuse to accept that uh, just there is an element of randomness to life. So when something bad happens to you, they, they curse you, God, and, and it's, it's, it's just kind of immature, as if only good things should happen to people all the time, which is naive. But um, but the thing about Exorcist Three, the tragedy, is that it's called the Exorcist Three. It's based on a book called Legion. If only they would have just called it Legion, or yeah. called it like the Exorcist Legion or something right. like that. But by calling it Exorcist Three, it, I, I basically I wish they would have just gotten rid of the heretic entirely and just said this movie is no longer canon. It's just an embarrassing mistake. Well, apparently, apparently the Peter third Patty one. Called it apparently when this third one came out yeah apparently when the third one came out they yeah the the script of the third one they even recognize is like it just says two never really happened this is the true sequel like but I'm, but, but to call it exorcist three is therefore a tragedy because it it right. teaches people new people to go oh well i have to watch two first and then they watch two and they say this is terrible why would i watch three right so yeah. it shoots itself in the foot by calling itself like a, some kind of obligation to call it the exorcist because that's a pre-sold property. So that has to be in the title. But if it, if only it would have just been just like this movie, the exorcist believer, if it would have been the exorcist colon legion, that would have been great. Right. You know, and, and the, the, um, and it really ties into the first movie 
where it's the detective, isn't it? It's like that's what that's kind of the big tying part, right? It's the detective, and all I'll say is that the corpse of the priest who dies in the first movie comes back. So it's continuing mm. this dead man. I won't say anything more than that, but it and so it's cool. it's it's and and uh, um, Brad Dorf is in it, who is Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings, yeah. and he brings it. As I heard. He, yeah, I remember. Incredible. I remember seeing things about like his performance in that is like outstanding, terrifying, and um, and so I, I I thoroughly recommend it. And having seen the Heretic for the first time, I'm like, just skip it. There's there's nothing of value that you get from the Heretic at all, unfortunately. So I've heard I the only thing I've heard, the only good thing I've heard of the heretic is there's this genuinely great jump scare. But that's it. That's the only thing I've heard about it. Only good thing I've heard. So um, with the nun and it like comes out with the scissors. Oh, that's in the third one. Oh, that's in the third. Okay, well then never mind. <laughs> nothing the from one. the heretic. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. So yeah. all right, let's move on to this film's director and uh one of its writers, uh David Gordon Green. So okay. So off of what I guess you could call a success of the Halloween soft reboot, success, right? Quote, big quotes there. Success, the Halloween soft reboot sequels. Green with his team, which includes Danny McBride, that Danny McBride, is spearheading wow. the same thing with the Exorcist franchise. This is after Universal with Bloomhouse Productions spent $400 million on distribution rights. So like we talked about this way back in our first episode of this series aired with about Megan about how like remember the intro and you see Bloomhouse and it's all these different horror films that you've seen over the years this is like they want to they want to take Exorcist because it was a Warner Brothers property originally they want to put it in their little wheelhouse of horror films uh, so they spent a lot of money on the distribution rights for this uh, Green's first film was called George Washington and goes all the way back in 2000 he's probably best known for the comedies Pineapple Express and Your Highness uh, he has crossed several genres. So like his, his filmography is like drama. And then he did some like big, big budget uh, comedies and then he's done drama. Now he went to horror films. So he's been all over the place as far as genres go. Uh, and then what, uh, what dramas was he in? Not dramas. He's just done like dramas films. Like, like he are, you, did are you talking about David Gordon Green or Danny McBride? Yes. David okay, Gordon. Never mind that. Sorry. I was, that like, was I was like, when did Danny McBride do some some drama? Right. <laughs> well, and then also we were talking about Danny McBride. You were asking me, like, wait, Danny McBride, like, how is you sure? And you're like, yeah, he he uh David Gordon Green directed a couple episodes of Eastbound and Down, as well as Vice Principals and a couple other uh, projects that Danny uh, McBride's done. So they they're very close, yeah. uh, apparently. Um, he is planning on directing, so David Gordon Green is doing a sequel to this. There's a follow-up that's already in the works called The Exorcist deceiver because it rhymes <laughs> is there a third yet yeah there's they're gonna do a third as well so they're gonna do like three of these movies i don't know let's see believer deceiver retriever receiver <laughs> i don't know the golden receiver retriever Believer. and they bring believer. in uh, My, yeah just bieber, bieber. Bieber. Yeah, okay, so I have great. to bring Justin Bieber up. gets gets possessed by Satan. <laughs> so I have to bring this. This I, I saw this online someplace else, and then I saw it also. I don't know if it's true or not. I just saw it on IMDb, but uh, and you'll love this. So on William Freakin's, because originally William Freakin, the original director of the first film, he had passed away recently, and he was like kind of he's always you know we, a lot of people have said he's like one of the best directors there ever was but you know he he probably you know he did a handful of really great movies in the 70s and then kind of 
just fell off the face of the earth. And you'll probably see him in like a documentary here or there talking about movies. But he was like, you you know, people praised him, essentially. Uh, yeah. But on William Freakin's passing, uh, writer and film critic Ed Whitfield posted this on Twitter and Facebook. William Freakin, Freak, Freak, uh, sorry, I'm mixing my words. William Freakin once said to me, Ed, the guy who made those new Halloween sequels is about to make one to uh, one of my movies, The Exorcist. That's right. My signature film is about to be extended by the man who made Pineapple Express. I don't want to be around when that happens. But if there's a spirit world and I can come back, I plan to possess David Gordon Green and make his life a living hell. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, no, no, like possess him, possess him and make a good movie. That would be better. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be great. But, you know, I but uh, so other than David Gordon Green, which I think he did a fantastic job on Halloween. His directing is good. But like the first Halloween, I, I think is good. The first Halloween, as in, you know, of this his. one would would have uh would have been an incredible capper. Of course, the moment that it's good and and also makes a lot of money, they're gonna make a sequel. And Halloween Kills was such an embarrassing mess. I I was I was, I was like, uh to the point where I don't I don't think I'll ever watch Halloween ends until maybe we officially the, do I've all heard of them. One of my one of my good friends has told me enough about Halloween ends, or I'm like, you're kidding. That's 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 what it's, happens. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. yeah, it's silly. It gets stupid. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I, it's I sad. but I've never seen kills either. So because yeah. Halloween was so good, it was such an appropriate ending, and it and it had something to say about the world. It really had this like, um, it was uh, one of my favorite themes, which is idealism versus reality, and you have this. Yeah deeply traumatized woman who's like prepare for the end and then you have her daughter who's like no mom the world isn't a scary awful place the world is about love and peace and then this <laughs> horrible serial killer comes back to kill all of them and she has to face reality and pick up a gun uh regard you know outside of dgg though um jason blum uh good for him whether these movies are good or bad Good for him. He's living the life where all of these franchises, he's just like, he's like, oh, I own the horror genre. Let me just buy up all of them then and just keep going. And, you know, regardless of this movie, not exactly being up to snuff. Yeah. Uh, still good on him. Good on him. I wish they would. I wish they'd kind of, you know, do better. But all the same, it's like, good for you, dude. You you get to you get to buy up and ruin or Maybe not, but, you know, ruin all your favorite franchises. So uh, good yeah. work. <laughs> all right, let's move on. I didn't do, we don't have very many slides, but uh, tonight, but let's talk about Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, he's been in a lot of films, TV and theater in over the years, including Red Tails, which was the George Lucas written movie about the, um, why I'm blanking on names, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, we saw uh, Haunting in Venice not too long ago, Harriet and the Sopranos prequel, and then also Glass Onion, which kind of ties back in with uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, but most people today would probably just recognize him from the Broadway play Hamilton, where he plays his nemesis, Aaron Burr. So he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's good. He's an actor. He's an actor. He's you know, he's good. Yeah. He's good. It's not much else to say about him. He's good. Uh, yeah. I'm going to move on. Go. I'm just going to go ahead and go. The There's way more cast to this movie. I just kind of was like, let's just talk about 
the people that I think are standouts. Yeah. The people that I'm we like, should always just talk main... about standouts. <laughs> Let's just talk about the standouts, especially in this movie, because there's just a yeah. lot of people. So I'm going to run through uh, the more important people. So we got Anne Dowd. She plays Anne, the nurse neighbor. That's 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 her name's Anne, and she plays Anne. How how great. Uh, you've seen her in such films as Lorenzo's Oil, Philadelphia, Garden State, Marley and Me, and Hereditary, which is another another great horror film that you should definitely check out. Uh, so she's in this movie. She's got some some scenery to chew. Uh, and then we also have our two um, possessed girls in this film. We got Lydia Jouette plays Angela Fielding. She shares my birthday, by the way. I was looking up her birthday. And I was like, wait a minute, that's my birthday. And Thank she's you. been in several films such as Hidden Figures and Good Girls. And we have Olivia Olivia O'Neill, which I'm I think that's correct. I kept jumping back and forth with different sources. I think her last name's I might have her last name incorrect, but she plays Catherine. And as far as I can tell, this is her first film. So why is there confusion IMDb, about her name? I because I looked at the Wikipedia and then I looked at IMDB and I'm like, I don't know if either of these are correct. So one of them's correct. Weird. Uh, okay. Yeah. So somebody, I guess somebody had put the wrong name. I don't know. Anyway, huh. I think this might be her first film. She does a fantastic job. They both. There do was a no introducing, job. though, right? Uh, I don't remember if I saw. I well, at the I end, I think I think they it, put but... their names towards the end of the list, though, because usually when you okay. do that, there's like a significance to that. Um, but yeah, they're both great, um, and they're creepy. And like it's I think those are probably one of the harder roles to pull off because one, you've got to you have to like embody this. You basically have to embody this really creepy, scary person. You have to you have to be both very innocent and yes. a devilish fiend. Right. And you have to put on a bunch of makeup, which is yeah. not like that's not fun. Like to be in makeup like you, for long like, hours. L Linda it's Blair apparently said, I'll only do the sequel if I don't have to put any makeup on because she went through hell in the first movie. Right. Which, which you're like, you could, you could just put the makeup on one day, you know, if having seen the movie, you know, that she's, there's not that much that she would have had to do, but all the same, but compare this to the Pope's exorcist where the boy the whole time was just doing this this is what he was doing. And yeah. this, per these performances compared to Pope's exorcist was a lot, a lot more just like visceral, you know, and just yeah. believable. So yeah, not over know, the top. Kudos to them. Like kind of cartoonish, not just yeah. doing this and then yes. taking the voice yeah. and having it, you know, he was just like being serpentine the whole time. And then they yeah. just, and they, they just, put, I mean, you watch this and they just put these girls through hell. And also I think some yeah. of the, just the weird behavior that they do, just weird behavior, not when they're trying to be ultra scary towards the end of the movie, but just the weird behavior, the subtlety of, as they're, they're becoming more and more scary throughout the film. And you realize they're more and more possessed or whatever. Uh, even those little performances I think are great. Like the, the church scene where she's like playing with her feet and just being weird to her, her brother and sister. I was like, Damn, that's good. Thought that was yeah, good. That's there. There were everything with them was incredibly effective. Or are you done with your slides? I have one more slide. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, and then we'll talk. Okay, go. let's talk about the last two. Our returning cast members. Our two returning cast members. We have Ellen Brewston returns as Chris McNeil. Brewston had a had said originally she refused to return, but they offered her double salary 
which she accepted and donated to charity. Uh, besides the OG Exorcist, she is also known for The Last Picture Show and Requiem for a Dream. She is currently the co-president of the Actors Studio in New York City, which is a big deal because that's like the, what was it? That was like the Marlon Brando school of acting, essentially, uh, back in the day where like all the big actors went. It is speculated that her character in the book and the film was inspired by actress Shirley MacLaine. So you can see MacNeil, McLean similarities, yeah. who was actually Beatty's neighbor. And then I think at, from what I read originally, Shirley MacLaine, like they wanted her for the role uh, of this part, but then they ended up giving it to uh, Ellen Brewston. Uh, and then, of course, we got very, very briefly, we get Linda Blair returns as Reagan McNeil in a very brief cameo at the very end of this movie. And she was yeah, a cameo in the franchise a very cameo. briefly, very briefly. Yeah. Uh, she returns, okay. and um, and she was last seen in the franchise in Exorcist 2, but she also spoofed her own film in the movie Repossessed, which also starred um, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen, and, yeah. Yeah, and it was in 1990, and it only came out a month after, or sorry, yeah, it was a month after the third film. So yeah. it was a very small movie. It came out, but yeah, she spoofed her own movie, and she's like the lead. She's the main star in that film. So I think that's funny. But Charlie, that's all I have for this film. Uh, let's 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 talk about let's it. Talk. Let's talk about how great this movie is yeah. and why why uh, what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, so what what you were just saying uh, uh, a minute ago, uh, the highlight of the movie is definitely the girls and specifically the. The, the probably the most effective, just like the first movie. What what is kind of haunting about the first movie is that you're concerned about this girl because we know something's wrong with her, right? And we know it's a spiritual matter. We know that inevitably we're going to need an exorcism. We're we're going to need an old priest and a young priest, as Doctor Evil said. So when she's going through, you know, at some point the mom. Chris is in a room with dozens of doctors and none of them have any, nobody can figure out this mystery of what's wrong with this girl because every test comes back and she's perfectly healthy. And right. at the same time, you're watching her be tortured by these doctors. They're doing spinal taps. They're doing x-rays. Yeah, there's the one and, scene where they do the uh, MRIs. They, like, go in and like, it's yeah. Cause, but it's the yeah. 1970s uh, and we don't have the yeah. MRI that we have today. So they have to like yeah. go in and I've had so many, like, I can tell you the number of times I've been scanned and it's like a lot, but yeah. you know, it's not watching it in the movie. It's just, it's, it's painful. Like it is yeah. just painful. And like I've in like today's modern medicine, a lot of times, especially with those MRI scans, the only thing you're getting pricked, you might get pricked for uh, uh, contrast. So they can put contrast through your blood. So when they 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 scan you, they can see things a little bit clearer. And but this, it's like they they're like putting needles and like yeah. things in and spots where and you're she's just in like there and she's she's like ah, ah and, and, and you, she's awake. You, you feel so because you know that she's what's awake. happening is that nothing's going to come of it. You know that she's being tortured it's awful needlessly. And then that was echoed in this movie where the, both girls, they go missing for three days. They go missing and then they show up randomly and they have no memory of what happened. And just like just like with Regan in the first film, they went they were 
they were messing around in the spiritual realm when they shouldn't have been. So in the first movie, uh, Regan is using it's a Ouija subtle, board. First, it's subtle because the first, because yes. I, I remember this, this was the one thing that I always was like, every time I go back to the exorcist, I'm always like, wait, how, how does she get yeah, possessed? Why like, her? That's the first question. How does yeah. she get possessed? Because the movie, the first movie, and I, I guess we skipped over this part and about this movie, but the first movie opens up in Iraq. And it's and it's a near an archaeological expedition, and you're like this movie that takes place in Georgetown, and there's there's uh, in in a bedroom, and opens up in Iraq, and you find out yeah. that basically it's this the the exorcist, the main the exorcist, as the title says, he's he's also an archaeologist, and he's finding all these old relics, including these sculptures, and one of those sculptures is of this demon named Bazuzu. And, uh, and it's like, I always thought like, well, how is that connected to the movie or how's that connected to her? But really all it comes down to is that there's one scene very briefly where the mom, who's an actress, um, she doesn't, you know, she's not spending a lot of time with her daughter and she comes home and, and she gets every moment she can. She's talking to her daughter and, and she's in the basement and there's a house they're renting. And she's like, Oh, what's this? Why do you have this? And she's like, Oh, I found it's a Ouija board. And I was playing with it. And, and she shows how her mom and, and there's this guy named captain Howdy. I talked to captain Howdy and it's like, now it's become a cliche, but you see that all the time now. And, and other possession movies where they'll talk about, don't play with Ouija boards. Cause, cause you will uh, basically summon you're demons. Inviting. But like, you're inviting, but you're inviting all spirits. spirits. Yeah. But, but I will, I will also tell you that like my, very Catholic wife will tell you that like, even in the Bible, it says you should not speak to the dead or try to speak to the dead. So it's like, yeah, like it's, it's, there's the warnings there, but in the movie, in that movie, it's subtle. It's just like very brief, brief thing where she's like, okay, you get the idea. She's been doing this, but we're not yeah. really focused from the perspective of, of the girl. It's all from the mom's perspective. Yeah. So, well, okay. In this okay. Movie, so, so even though, uh, okay. So recently I exposed because it's October and whenever uncle Charlie shows up, to his nie nieces uh -huh. and nephews houses wherever he, wherever they may be if it's october and especially if the parents are gone and my kids were watching creepy things and only creepy things so right. i put on things like thriller michael jackson's thriller the 13 <laughs> minute you know music video or um which is actually really scary but then at some point they start dancing and so the kids are like this is funny and and they love it yeah. uh but i put on labyrinth and even in Labyrinth, yeah. there's that moment where kind of like Bloody Mary or something where um, she invokes the Goblin King, please take my brother away. And my oldest nephew, he he kept he kept asking me, he was like, if I say those words, will the Goblin King also take my siblings away? That's terrifying. And I said, I said, Shy, it's just a movie. But at the same time, I wouldn't say those words, you know. I wouldn't go into a mirror and say Bloody Mary or whatever. Right. Candyman. Even, even if it's, yeah, Candyman, whatever it is, even if it's not real, don't tempt it. Do not tempt it. Do not mess where, where you shouldn't be messing. And that's what these girls do. And it's motivated because the one girl lost her mom, so she's trying to contact her dead mother. Um, and, and that's cute and all, but it's like... Uh, uh, I will say like, like, like just, just real quick though. I will say that like comparing this movie to the original, that was the scene where it was like, yeah, you can see the different take on it. Cause in this movie, we see them actually doing this and, yeah. and, and it's very, very on the, I mean, we see them doing it, but it's it, it, part of me is like, okay, 
we kind of have to because they they do something a little different than what like you know it's typical which i thought was a nice introduction where they she's like doing this hypnotism thing and they're they're yeah. trying to to talk to their mom but it's better original, because you have two girls subtle. by right. essence of having two girls it's different than having seen regan do it we didn't need to yeah. see her do it uh but getting back on what we were talking about the after all that's said and done just like with Regan, when she's uh, being checked out and you you know there's nothing wrong with her, the most effective sequences in this movie were the same ones where these girls, having just been found three days later and their feet are all burnt up and, you know, it, there's uh, a series of tests being run on them. And that stuff was, was so... It, it was very much like this original movie where you you feel the pain of the parents especially when they're being they're Examined? they're being given a rape kit yeah. they're being run through those tests and you just you know that there's there aren't going to be any findings but you're so oh my god you're so you're clenching so those things are effective there's there anybody saying this movie is complete trash is technically, and you know me, I'm I'm usually I'm, if if a movie is you're usually say most of the movies the beats, are complete trash. If if they're not hitting <laughs> the beats, they're right. usual. They're usually trash. Uh, this movie isn't complete trash. It does derail by the end because even like I said about the creator. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, let, just well, real quick, let me just click this on on here. So we have a series of movies where the third act is what ruins it. Uh, including Megan, you know, for me, at least Megan is just like, it, it just derails into a robot fight. Uh, the creator is incredible sci-fi, but then the third act is rushed. Uh, I said it about even Creed three. It's like, it's not the worst thing with Creed three, but the final fight does. You're like, wait, it's over. No, no, no. He should get back up. At least once or one or two more times, but no, it's over before it begins. Well, it's not even um, that. Remember, also in the Creed three movie, we we talked about how like that just the initial third, not the fight, but the initial third act in itself, isn't as like complex as you want it to be. Like John, yeah. like Jonathan Major's character doesn't really. You get maybe one scene where he tears him down, where it's like you could see a very a lot of similarities between Rocky three and Creed three, where um, Mr. T's character is like not only physically beating Rocky, but also like mentally and emotionally beating him. But we don't really mm. get, we don't really see that because the movie's so focused on like rock, uh, Creed's mo Creed's adoptive mom dying. And, and it just kind of like, we didn't need that, but it's in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. no, uh, talking about this movie though, I am. Um, so do we want to talk about initial well, I was talking first? Is that what you're getting to? Well, I was talking about how, you know, the scenes checking out the girls was great. It was, it, it was like right. the perfect rhyme with the original where it was like uh, with Reagan, it was trying to figure out what was wrong with her. With this, it was these girls have been gone for three days. So we're going to run them through vigorous testing. Right. Uh, it, that that stuff was fresh and that was all good. The problem, the point I was making is that anybody saying this movie is all bad is it's it's another one of these where it's like two thirds of it is good it's good and, and not just not just the medical scenes but then after that where the parents are noticing problems with their daughters that stuff was well done 
it isn't until the third act where things get wonky and we'll get to that. But I, that's just what I want to lay I, out at first. Right. Okay. I will say this though. I disagree with you in the regard of saying it's two thirds good. I would say a half of it's good, at least in my interpretation of when things were events were taking place. Yeah. Because I I think that once, by the time we get to the exorcism, that's what I'm talking about. The exorcism. That's, yeah. That part. I agree. That part was yeah. not good. That yeah. part was clunky and felt like it was part of a different movie and it was like it never led yeah. up to that and it was just garbage i'm talking about like the moment we get the uh when we get um helen brewster's character brewston's character chris. Come back, right chris yeah when she comes back that's when to me the movie starts to really derail like i'm like well that was that, that feels was like okay. it's almost halfway through the movie you're right in hindsight when it first was happening i was like oh because you know me i don't watch trailers I don't know if she was in the trailer, but when she suddenly came back, I was like, oh, what are we going to do with this? This is interesting. Right. And what it what it functioned as was she came in specifically to help our dad. What was his name? Do, uh, do you remember? Victor? Victor? Hold on, let me just double check. But yeah, I think it's Victor. But to help Victor, yes, Victor. because Victor's the one who's like... Uh, this isn't a faith thing. Um, and like he he's he's, he's, a, the, he's, atheist, he's the right? he's the reason why the movie's called Believer. He's yes, the reason why yeah. the movie's called Believer. And I think I think that's the strongest part of the movie, or at least it's trying to be the strongest part of the movie, in is that it's like let's focus on this one character who is struggling with his faith for a very specific reason. And yeah. we we eventually we learn everything we need to know about it, but like that was the stuff that I was like, yeah, this, this is the stuff you should have latched into more. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, let me, let me, let me get, let me get the list away for a second. You want to get your, um, you get so, your notes out of the way I can see. Well, no, I, 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 I don't know what um, you're getting to, but there's so much I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, I, like I can't even remember. I, was brain's like, about. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. We're well, talking about when Chris shows up. We're oh yeah. 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 So, at first it's like oh maybe this will be maybe there'll be a point to this and in hindsight there was no point if her entire role had just been he goes victor goes to her house and she says look whether you like it or not the devil is real this all happened to my daughter and you need to go do x y and z for her to be a catalyst for him to get on board with the supernatural that would have been enough. But instead, what happens is she comes with him. She goes and finds one of the girls. And all that happens is that she gets her, that possessed girl stabs her eyes out. And then the rest of the movie, she's in the hospital. And even during the exorcism, we keep cutting to her as if that's going to be significant. And in the end, it's not. And then the final scene is just pointlessly Reagan shows up again and is like, hi mom. And she's like, Oh, hi. And then they both went and cashed their checks for appearing. Okay. In so my, film together. So I was going to talk about this. I, I will say this. I think when it comes to that character's return, because again, it's not Linda Blair's coming back. It's this character. Who's the mom. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like I, I liked the natural thing that they did with her where she's like, she became a believer of this stuff because in the original book, in the book, like her character is an atheist and then she becomes a believer after the events yeah. of this movie. However, yeah, be because duh, however, because like, duh, however, yeah. 
However, um, I think, and I think this is like a, uh, like I'm trying to find a really great way to express this. I think, okay. Like for me, this would have been the equivalent. I'm trying to think of a movie that if, if they brought back, like I want to say ghostbusters, but that's not even a good one. Cause I mean, they, they have done this and I want to say star Wars, but let me, let me put it like, um, okay. Let's just say, let's just say ghostbusters. Okay. Let's just say ghostbusters for a second, even though they've made a new reboot sequel, I'm just going to go with this one. Go this, this, appearance of this character is like the equivalent of making a ghostbuster sequel um that takes place many years later but instead of bringing back the ghostbusters instead of bringing back or sorry yeah instead of bringing back any of the ghostbusters we just bring back the secretary we just bring back janine and now janine is like the the most ghostbuster of all ghostbusters and it's like well why what was her significance in the movies specifically yeah. like how was she tied to those those traumatic events other than that she was kind of like a very very secondary character to that or even worse would be like if they brought back uh the epa guy but now he's like into like he's a believer of the ghostbusters like how yeah like so strange so then to bring her back and to like tie her into being like oh I i'm this believer of this extra of exorcisms and i'm like the champion of this idea it's just there's a part of me that feels like it, it's like you're trying to use the same formula with Halloween, but it doesn't quite work as well. And I think it would have worked like I've seen the exorcist, so I, I know this wouldn't work, but it would have worked better if it was a priest because the priest in the movie dies. Both priests die, unfortunately. Spoilers. It's a, it's a very old movie. But, um, you know, if, if one of those priests had lived or somebody who was related to. Well, remember, he did. Something. He lived until Exorcist three and then. Sure, but you know what? You that's, get what that's I'm also saying. a really like, old movie, like, so he's killed at like, the end of that. For me, too, I think so. it would have been more effective if it was like a priest who was actually involved with that exorcism, and he. But, that but here's here's I don't here's know. what I'll say though. She, I guess, becomes something of an exorcist. She's like, I schooled myself. I educated okay. myself on exorcism. Right. She tries to exorcise the demon in the girl and i'm just i'm just gonna do it because i can't i i do i do not know their names i'm just gonna say black girl and white girl if you're offended by that go fuck yourself i'm a white white girl black girl white girl got it uh chris goes to uh goes with victor to, to to into the family of white possessed girl and she's um, Catherine. Is, Catherine's that character's name? It's Catherine. Is Catherine the is is the girl. Catherine's okay. the white girl. Angela's the black girl. Okay, Angela and Catherine. Okay, so um, that that's also I I always use that as a test. If I can remember characters' names, that's like even in your movie, you know, you know that Pears' know name characters. is Pears because it's it's reiterated enough naturally that you you mm -hmm. remember it. Like Regan, you cannot for you cannot forget Regan. Regan, Reagan, I'll, I'll probably right. switch back and forth, but you, you, you do not forget her name uh, because it's, it's, it's used properly a lot. But anyway, so um, I'll, I, I'm probably even going to Catherine. Okay, so they go to find Catherine. Her family's like it, it was interesting because her family's like in turmoil. Like they're hiding in the kitchen. The dad is in the bathroom, like out of his mind, and then up in the bedroom, Cat, possessed Catherine is like going crazy, and uh, uh, Chris goes in there. And Chris kind of attempts an exorcism and she fails horribly and she ends up getting her eyes pierced. And, um, uh, but 
the problem is that it would have been I would have been a okay with Chris being with the team of exorcists at the end. So what essentially happens is that there's a team. It's a it's a it's a theme at some point. It's like it's like you need to get every you gotta get the exorcist super friends together, and you're all gonna try to exorcise this demon at the same time, which ends up being terrible. But it's, my point being that if she would have been nice. with them. If she would have been a part of that, that would have been great. But apparently, because I, I I assume that she just didn't want to do that because that would require like another week or two of her being part of the cast. And she was like, sure. no, no, no. I just want to make an appearance and then disappear. Just like Linda Blair. Linda Blair is like, I just want to make an appearance, cash my check and move on. So that's why this movie fails ultimately. But if you're going to introduce Chris, have her just appear briefly and say, Hey, this is real. The devil is real. Exorcism is real. You better get on board with it now. Uh, that would have been effective, but instead she stays in the plot and then it doesn't pay off at all. So you're like, this is crap. Okay. Okay. This is just so crap. on that point, on that point real quick though, that which when you say that, and then I'm thinking about the movie, I'm like, Oh, okay. I wonder I wonder if the original script had her in place of the nun in place of Anne. So remember Anne. So basically what happens is this movie introduces a lot of characters for, for different reasons. There's other things I want to complain about, but, but for instance, <laughs> Anne's the neighbor Anne's their neighbor, Angela and Victor's neighbor who like in the beginning of the movie, we have this little thing about taking out the garbage and she's just like, you guys didn't take, like she's the, the annoying neighbor. She's like, you didn't yeah. take your, but she's right. Again. She's correct though. Don't leave your garbage cans out. Don't but leave your, anyway. you left your garbage cans out, whatever. And, and he's just, Victor's just like, oh, I don't have time to deal with this. And like, it's, yeah. it's just a thing. And then you, and then well, slowly she gets he's more like, involved. You were supposed to do it, you know, yeah. because yeah. they're, but they're kind of more because involved. mom's dead. Because mom's dead, they're kind of like a pseudo She's, couple, right? Right. Like even though they're father and daughter, it's like you yeah. have to kind of be mom in this relationship, right. and I got to be dad. Right. It's, yeah, it's complicated. It's it's yeah, it's it's yeah. Anyway, she the Anne ends up becoming like this. Uh, she becomes more involved with the family because she's at the hospital because she's a nurse. And so she sees what's going on with the family and stuff. So slowly by the there's a point in the movie where there's this big culmination. She comes out and she says, look, I was going to be a nun and I and like and uh, I, I didn't tell anybody my nun name. And on top of that, I had an abortion. I didn't tell anybody about it. And that's the reason why I didn't become a nun, because I broke my oath. And um, and the demon, uh, your daughter uh, told me the name that I was going to use and I and knew that I was going to have an, a, the name of my daughter that I was going to give or whatever. What other movie so that this scene, year had dealt with that? What other movie did that same kind of had a similar oh, thing going on. Was one of the other, was it the nun? Evil Dead no? Rise had a similar thing where it had like oh, an abortion yeah, yeah, yeah. theme to it. Right. And so all that stuff was very effective where she's what? she's like she's talking to Victor and she's like, "Hey, nobody knew about this. Nobody." Right. So, uh your daughter had intimate knowledge of me, which just you know, if if you believe me, then something's going on. This is something so she becomes the catalyst on. She becomes the catalyst for for Victor to meet uh, 
to, to me because um, she gave yeah. him the book from Chris. Chris. Yeah, right. She's right. like, read so, this book. So and and, and, and all, then yeah, the yeah. help me thing, the help where where uh, Reagan had help me carved into her uh, chest, right. I believe, and the girls had. So there's had like all traced. of that. That's great. But what yeah. I'm what I'm getting yeah. at, my, I guess what I'm getting at is I do wonder if there was an original script, like uh, an older draft of the script, or because of of whatever Chris's demands were that she was supposed to lead that charge instead of having giving Anne so much to do in this movie. And because when we get to the, let's just yeah. jump, like we, we need to jump because we keep, we keep putting it off, but we need to talk about like what I think is one of the worst parts of the movie is the third act of the film for a, a number of reasons. Um, I will say the only positive thing I could say is that it's sort of in a weird way. Um, it is, it is uh, um, uh, foreshadowed. Uh, with how when they're in the hospital and all the doctors are asking him those questions and stuff, there's the cacophony of sound essentially. Like all of this stuff is not said as line. It's almost like they're not necessarily lines for like an actor to speak. It's almost just like sound, and that sound is a, you can see the effect of the sound with the parents and the and really just the parents and how they're hearing all these things. Like, do you feel this? Do you hear this? And then when we get to this last scene, it's this. Um, it's the circus, this like just the super friends of exorcism all joining forces and call them super yeah. friends is, is, is such a like, I wouldn't even call them that. It's just like the, the misfits of, of exorcism coming together because none of them are like, I, I guess, and, and I guess maybe the filmmakers were thinking like, oh, we should, we should put a bunch of people that you wouldn't expect to be exorcists together. But I feel like that in itself was not because it's just so much crap at the end that I just feel like it never, uh, it, it just, it's not as impactful. It's like, I would have, you know, it's one of the less. But it also doesn't things. work. They say, it, yeah. they're like, you got to get, you got to get the community together because church is about community, right? So if church is about community, you got to get the whole community behind this effort yeah. and all of your powers combined will lead to saving these girls. And it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it's just like it's like none oh, of it oh, that was stupid by the way none of that it's worked. all because yeah it's it's like okay so yeah just to lay it out you're right like you in it's it's uh as the movie goes on we meet we find Catherine, her parents Catherine's the the girl the the white girl as you you keep saying Catherine, her parents <laughs> come to this as, as you keep her saying parents, you racist fuck <laughs> you racist piece of junk um uh her parents <laughs> I censor myself real hard there. So oh, I, I, I should, I should. McCurdy and I keep trying to not swear, and then I come in and we, I'm just we, have, like, we have, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, this swear is brought to you by Two Hearted <laughs> IPA. <laughs> so, so her parents, and you get the sense they're kind of like not just Baptists, but they're evangelical, like Christians, like very yeah. just the the kind of folks that you would see, you know, like praying like this with their hands up, and like, yeah. like they would listen to church music. And then they have their pastor who's who's a who doesn't have anything bad. He's just there. There's nothing like they don't really go too hard on him at all or in anything negative. They're just like, yeah, he's yeah. he's the pastor at the church. So they bring him in. And maybe you get a, a, a sense of that, like this pastor likes the attention that he, that this whole situation is given on the church. But it's very like very subtle. Like, I don't I don't I don't necessarily buy it. That's exactly what was going on. But I kind of felt like it was. Then we have. The other neighbor, so they have Anne, and then there's another neighbor that's next to, to Victor and Angela, and he's like, 
a guy that I wasn't sure was gay or not. Like I was just like, is this a and gay? You're, and you're like, you're like, or her friend? This, this is then, just a friend the scene, of Victor's friend of them. His significance, right? And I, you never He's find just out. A guy. But then, but and, then and, and this, he had he had a weird connection to like a bunch of voodoo okay, priestesses. That's, that's the weirdest part. That was the <laughs> yeah. weirdest part of He's the like, movie. He's like, bro, I brought all these voodoo priestesses over it's, to bless your house. You're he like, kept saying that. He's like, this is this yeah. is normal. This is okay. And you're like. Dude, you broke into a man's house <laughs> with a bunch of voodoo witches? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's okay. It's okay. And then somebody, okay. He, he, he straight up that says, he also, says, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie was when he goes, he goes, hey, man, I'm just trying to help. And Victor goes, get the fuck out. And he goes, okay. <laughs> like, it was, it was but great. it's like, but that's okay. But that scene in itself is just like the weirdest, like left turn of the whole movie, which part yeah. of me was like, okay, with like, the voodoo witch thing and only because and we, we it's supposed we to echo the opener the I opener guess. which we skipped and i do like 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 it was the thing i liked they they took some time and because the story at least I, I think a cleaner version would have made that beginning even more impactful but i they they took some time they were like okay we're gonna take a real life event which was the, the earthquakes in haiti which a lot of people would know that like Haiti is a very poor country. They they're not up to code with a lot of their buildings as far as earthquakes go. And so there is a scene where basically you find Victor and uh, Victor's wife and they're in Haiti on vacation or work. They're not quite sure. He's a photographer. They're taking photos and she's pregnant, very pregnant. She even gets blessed. So there's a blessing that happens and they bless their baby. They spit water on her feet, which was the weirdest thing I saw in the movie. One of the weirdest things you see in the movie. And then the earthquake happens and she gets stuck in the rubble and then they get her out and she's going to die. And the doctors tell her, like, look, they tell Victor's like either your wife lives or your baby lives. And so we obviously know the answer to what happens to that one. And it's left just like lingering. And so then when we get to the end, uh, out of the blue, we get the the I, I don't know if you would say voodoo priest. I don't know what the specific correct terminology for for what their I said religion witch is. doctor. Right. You so know. witch doctor, voodoo priest, whatever you want to call her, she comes and she's helping. And there's a part of me that's like, was there a version of this where it's just her, where it's just instead of like the Catholic priest, it's just her as the exorcist. But so she comes and she's a part of the team and she's the only one who seems to do anything effective. Uh, it's strange, but she seems to be the only person to do something that seems like it's, yeah. it's, it's working against the, the things. And then, okay. So then we have her then, we have the nun. We have Anne, who's like, "I'll do this. I'm. I was a nun, or was going to be a nun, and I'm a nurse, but I'm a believer, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight the devil, and I'm gonna do this." And you're like, "Okay, good for you, Anne, uh, nurse lady." And she also brings something to the table because she's she's got the heart monitors and all the stuff, so she's medically reasoning, like, "Okay, that makes sense why yeah. Anne's there, right?" And then, and then, okay, the the biggest weird turn of the movie because again, this is based off The Exorcist. Um, the Catholic, the the Catholic Church just like cowards up. They just are like the one Catholic priest in this entire movie comes and he's like, "Sorry, I can't help you guys." The diocese said that uh, that they need psychological help, and they're like, "Uh, what?" And Have then you seen their then, faces, <laughs> like they're clearly like, possessed you, by devils. <laughs> you telling me you're telling so you're telling me this franchise that like like and then this year we get a movie like Pope's Exorcist for and after researching that movie you know for a fact that there are people in the Catholic Church that were very very heavily um 
for you know exorcisms for for various reasons and you're telling me knowing that knowledge and then seeing this movie you're telling me that like the catholic church would not come to help these people uh and yeah. so he's like doesn't help and he's 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 in the car praying and then finally yeah. he comes out and then that's that was when the movie was like you get a sense like everyone's like oh he's gonna he's gonna do something he's really gonna bring the power of god and then all of a sudden he gets he gets killed and you're like he just okay. does yeah and you're you're like dies. oh like that 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 is a turning point where you're like okay um this movie is just gonna fall back on shock value and not and not meaning it's not really gonna care it just so felt like it felt like the filmmakers that was a, were like that was a big sign yeah that was it, and i think i think some people have said this but like that was the moment where you're like oh this movie hates hates catholicism like and yeah. and i didn't want to be like felt like i was being offended but i was just like at the same time i'm like Okay, it's just weird to be like, this is the movie that took extra, like, this is the franchise that made exorcism a thing that tons of horror movies do. And they use the, uh, they use Catholicism as kind of like the forefront fighters of these things, such as the movies like Nun and Pope's Exorcist and all these other ones we've probably seen over the years. And then you're just going to like backseat the Catholic Church and you just be like, no, the Catholic Church is evil or bad or, or, whatever yeah. so we're gonna make them look stupid in this movie and i was like really yeah. like whereas the really? first movie was about really? the priest it was specifically right. about a priest struggling with his faith so yeah. that by and then that same character by the end of the movie sacrifices his life on behalf of regan which is a big reason why the sequel is such a piece of trash because it undermines the significance of the sacrifice he makes. So big spoiler alert at the end of the first movie, uh, the old priest has just been killed off camera. Young priest comes in, Damien comes in and he, he grabs Reagan and he says, come into me. He's talking to Pazuzu and he says, come into yeah. me. And the demon goes from Reagan into him. And then he kills himself. He jumps out the window and he dies. So he's sacrificing his life to save this young girl. But then in the sequel, it's like, well, Pazuzu's still inside of Reagan. You're like, what? That, no, right. that doesn't make sense. How could Pazuzu yeah. still be in? No, that's, you, you're ruining, you're undermining the sacrifice. Anytime any sacrifice is undermined, I'm immediately just like, no, what are you doing? And, um, and and a lot of people would say this about like Alien 2 to Alien 3. If you're just going to kill everybody who survived Alien 2, then you're ru you're just like, what are you doing? You're ruining. And, right. and I don't think that's as bad because that's just setting up the plot for Alien 3, whatever. But um, but when when the whole idea is this priest sacrificed his life for for the sake of this young girl but then that sacrifice means nothing. It's it's just like you're. This is a, a, a shameless cash grab at that point. So it's it's a shame. Right. So here though, none of that's there. The priest just comes in because he's like, oh, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I'm going to help. And then he dies. <laughs> well, well, so you're well, like, it's pretty wild. To be fair, lame. it just ends up being right. lame. It is, it is lame. 
he comes in and then yeah. he gets his head twisted around because that's the that's the thing, the cliche thing with these it's, movies that we have. It's to a do. callback to the first movie. There was right. a guy who fell down the st- the director of the movie that Chris is in in the first movie. That he, that director dies watching like, falling down those steps and his head turns. And back. it's and you never yeah. see that. You never see any of that play out. And I actually going back, I'm like re- like rewatch that, and I was like, that is really effective how they played that whole thing out yeah. because you 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 kind of have to put the pieces together because she comes in the windows open she's like hey why did you leave the windows open she's talking to the maid and the maid's like no the uh director guy your your boss came and he's gonna and i had her watch him watch her because i had to go get this thing and he's like she's like oh okay and and then at the same time we see all of like the sirens and stuff and so we're not sure what happens and then it finds it like kind of comes together and you're like oh my gosh um And and again, it's from the it's from the mom's perspective. So there's a lot of stuff that we don't see that happens, and that's and I think yeah. it's more effective. This movie, so let me, like, let's just talk about that. No, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that's that circus scene though. Like like they call it a circus scene. Like it's just it's just so over the top, and just so many people like yelling prayers. And like I know, like we talked about when we did the nun two, you were complaining about like oh they make the Catholic you know Catholic. Um, they make religion look like it's magic, but like this movie does tries to do something similar, but makes it look like it's the goofiest thing in the world. And it just doesn't have any impact. And then on fact, on top of that, it's like, it really doesn't. It's just like, okay, well then what was the whole point? And then to realize that what was the point of getting everybody together? What was the point of being like, get the community together where what it then comes down to is this devil inside of these girls, which we're, I think we're, we are to they. I don't think they ever say Pazuzu, do they? But we're to we're to no, assume they never that say, it's I don't think they ever say Pazuzu because Chris, when when she confronts, it's like Chris confronting Catherine slash the demon in, in Catherine. It's like, oh hi again, we've met before. So we're to assume that it's Pazuzu, but they never used. The I think name. that was a bad. I think that was a bad idea on the part of yeah. the filmmakers because. Okay, like this is this goes down a whole other rabbit hole with like writing fiction for possessions and stuff. But like, uh, I don't even remember what movie or what this was. But there, there is talks of like, you know, if you know the name of the demon, you can get the demon out. I don't remember what movie that was from, but but that's always been like a thing. And like, there there are a lot of these movies where they like give real actual demons names. Like, there's an actual book, and I think I talked about in one of I think it was the Nun too, or one of Fallen is one of Malik. Fallen Fallen is a big one where in in the movie Fallen, the Denzel movie, he goes to a cabin and he finds the name of the specific demon written on the wall. And then once he has the name, he's got some kind of power over if you know the demon's name, you have some and I do wonder if maybe maybe they didn't want to they didn't want to dive down that rabbit hole of like oh there's different names for demons so just to make it simpler like she says oh we've met before it's like because they don't I don't think they say they I don't think in the movie they say Pazuzu in the first film but I think that was that was always the intention uh from, from uh, what's in the book I don't know if they say Pazuzu in the movie I but in the book they, they do, do. They clarify it definitely in the book. The first movie, I believe they do. They they definitely do in the second movie. But I I think okay. I think at Maybe. some point I, get I just saw it first. recently. I just don't ever remember anybody calling anybody that the name of the demon. Um. Yeah. So huh. anyway, back to yeah. just going back to like the end. I think what it really comes down to for me is like the just it. This is what it is. Okay. So in screenwriting, <laughs> if I had John Truby's book, I'd pull that one out. John Truby talks about how usually in a movie um, that like the winner of 
the 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 hero, right? The hero of the film, his whole uh uh his 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 argument, if his argument wins, that's how like in like you want that triumphant win. Like every all the different characters are gonna have their own arguments or their own beliefs on a certain subject, which is the theme of the movie. And um, whatever the the whatever the main characters is like, they have to beat the other characters, and that's and there's a whole list of things with from like the four corner oppositions and all this other stuff um, that he talks about. But I think what why I think the end of the movie is really undermined is because uh, there's an argument that's made in the movie by Chris that's saying like we need to bring you know it's about community it's about the people the family that you bring around you and that's how you're gonna destroy this demon but when you watch that scene that's not how it really happens or at least how I interpret it because the movie already opens with this scene where the the mom gets blessed by these uh, these I don't know if you call witch doctors priest whatever. Uh, religious folks in Haiti and she's blessed and there's a scarf that like she had that becomes like kind of a, a little MacGuffin piece throughout the film where Angela's like I have this I want this thing for my mom and she and like you know she gets caught taking it from her dad and stuff and yeah and eventually at the very end of the movie he brings that little thing back and and gives it to her like puts it on her and is like no I you know I you know I love you and and he's you know pouring himself out to her and then that's that's really the moment when they at least get Angela back. And so what I think what really it comes down to why the ending is so ineffective is because the movie does all this buildup, especially with Chris, to say, hey, it's about community. It's about all these things. And then those that thing that they're doing is kind of a huge false hope where it's not really that effective. And then what ends up being the most effective is something that happened in the beginning of the movie. It's just, um, is just is this... But like kind of it kind of attaches itself to like this blessing that happened really early on in the movie. And that's that's where I feel like this is kind of in the same vein of like how the nun to the reason why uh, the nun is able to to um, the, the good nun in that movie is able to stop the demon is because she is actually a family member. It's like a, a deus machina kind of ending where it's like she was a family member of this this saint. So therefore she's able to destroy the demon. And I think with this movie, it's like you make this argument that you say, you know, people are going to like the people are the people around you are going to stop this demon or they're the reason that exorcism is going to happen. And then it doesn't. And that's where and I the reason like why, though, really the reason why is because out of nowhere, the demon says you have to choose. I have two girls and and you all you super friends, everything you're doing is stupid and ineffective. Right. And even though we're pretending like having a big group, having a team of exorcists is going to do anything, suddenly that idea goes out the window as the demon says, you have to pick. I'll let you I'll let you pick one of these girls. I'm going to take her soul to hell. The other one will live. And then what happens from there, the the correct thing happens is that the the so Victor and the mom of Catherine they look at each other and they go, we're not going to pick. And that's, that is, that is knowing the devil, the devil isn't exactly going to lay out uh, a, a satisfactory conundrum. There's going to, Satan is the great deceiver. His, his devils are, are liars. 
if you choose, it's not going to work out for you. So the best thing you can do is not choose at all. And then based on what he just said, he's like, uh, the whole idea is that in the beginning of the movie, Victor was faced with a choice. The doctor said in, in Haiti, or as you say, Haitia, in Haiti, they said, you can either your wife is going to live or your daughter's going to live. And, and I, I, this, uh, this is great. I love, I love uh, when it comes to possession movies, what you have is a devil that calls out your sins. I love that. So early on, we get the, the, the devil calls out that the nurse had an abortion and right. nobody knew about it. It was a secret, but the devil knows your sins. That's a great theme. So he says he reveals, and this is what I said in my opener, where you, you take this intimate knowledge of people and you, you apply it to the exorcism scenes. And it's always the case. Like uh, I think even in the original, or there, there are some where it's like, they're always being called out. Their sins are always being called out. Well, we talked about it in Pope's Exorcist. Remember, remember we talked about this in Pope's Exorcist. There's a scene where he tells where um, he tells the other priest uh, before they're about to go do the exorcism. He's like, tell me all your sins. Cause I need to know that because he's going to use yeah, that. He, he's going to use And he's like, you. he's like, when was your last confession? It's like, well, it was a while ago. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, all your, you know, just like quick version. Here you go. And then it turns yeah. out it's still effective against him. But yeah, I think, I think, even in that regards, I wish we got a little like like I know it would have made the movie longer, but I would have probably traded all of the gobbledygook of the the extended prayers that didn't really that seemed to fall on false ears. False ears. That's not even the, that's not a phrase. But I could you know have I would have traded. I would have traded all of the all of the cacophony of prayers with yeah. like maybe the priest aiming at the Baptist priest and saying, or a Baptist pastor and saying, Oh, you, you think you're clean. Like you did this or, or, or the yeah. dad or the mom, like, like those, those things I would have, I would have appreciated, but like it, we, it's, it, yeah, it's just a very untriumphant ending to a movie that what feels I'm, like yeah, good. So, so what I'm getting at is that all of that stuff, that's, that's what an exorcism movie should do because the devil will, you know, your sins will find you out. That stuff's always very effective. And so what it came down to was that he then reveals that we assume because the daughter, we assume as an audience that he chose his daughter over his wife, because that is the right thing to do. If you're, if you have to choose between your child and your wife, it's a terrible decision to make, but you should choose your child. That is the proper choice. He selfishly wanted his wife selfishly. Um, cause even your wife, if it came down to it, any, any good person is going to say, take me. And that's the essence of the ending of the first movie, right? Is that this older man says, spare this little girl, come into me. So, and, and anybody, anybody worth their salt is going to give their life for a younger person. Uh, you know, well, it, it, Whatever whatever story it may be, Titanic, you know, women and children first, whatever it is. If if you are a piece of crap, if you choose yourself over a a younger a member of the younger generation, so um, so it's revealed that he didn't do that. It's revealed that he told the doctors, "Save my wife, uh, forget about my daughter," and that's a huge revelation. And so, and it's very effective in a movie like this because then you can have 
both the, the demon version of the girl and the girl herself being like, dad, why would you do that? And, and as we talked about, that's kind of the essence of these movies is that uh, usually evil dead style, you, you kind of oscillate back and forth between the possessed form of the person and the real person. And sometimes that's blurred where you don't know who you're talking to. And that's where the, the human beings are being manipulated. Hence you need to uh, 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 confess beforehand. <clears throat> so what it comes down to then at that point is this demon says you have to pick just like you picked before between your wife and daughter. Now I'm going to give you the same choice. You have to pick between uh, one of the girls will live. Well, obviously at that point we know that whoever is chosen, it's the other girl who will survive. Whoever you choose is going to die. Just like when he said, save my wife and his wife died and his daughter lived here. We mm. have the same choice. You have to pick. So we know immediately as an audience, we know that if he says, save my daughter, his daughter is going to die and the other girl is going to live. So the other dad is unaware of that. So the dad almost immediately says, I choose you, Catherine. I choose you. And then immediately Catherine is killed. And Catherine and what? Catherine, Catherine and Angela. 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 And then Angela immediately is unpossessed and everything's great. And so I'm I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, okay. This would have worked if you would have built up both girls. If both girls had a backstory. Instead, we only get the backstory of Angela. We, we know about Angela and her mom and her dad and how now it's like a single dad with a daughter. And, and so we're kind of automatically rooting for them. Whereas Catherine's backstory is just like they don't give her I, I will even say this even the stuff that is in Catherine's back as far as her story because we, we do learn a lot about her through through different scenes with the family and the parents and stuff but and I and I liked the contrast between the two families because obviously black and white but we also get like you know uh literally black and white dad we get single literally black and white but we get single dad we get uh we get single dad we get parents we get a single, single, uh, sorry, not single, a, um, only child. And then we got a child, a child with, with, uh, uh, siblings essentially. So you have a very, and then obviously like when you see their house, you're like, Oh, they, they have a little more money. And then you see a house, not as much, but you know, it's an, it's not a bad yeah. house or anything like that. And so you do see like, uh, you see some differences between the two, uh, for sure. And I liked the contrast, but, you, I will also say the movie doesn't do any favors for Catherine's family because everything that her parents do or is kind of like annoying because it's almost like that. What's the thing I'm looking for? It's kind of like that that first world problems annoyance of of everything that they kind of go through and and the things they kind of talked about and like even when well, they go we to see church, right away that the dad is very just, emotional. Like remember the dad's the one right. who. You know, the cops are like, sorry, you need to remain calm and we're trying to find your daughter. Right. Yeah, and he's like kicking over trash cans and he's like, find my daughter. They never do, well, it's, they it's, never it's, do any, it's very real, but it's like they never do any favors for that family to make you yeah. on that side. So it, the movie just doesn't. So like, by the time that she's the one who gets it right. and and uh, Angela's fine, you're like, well, wait a even second. The if this all came down to a choice, there was right. no weight to that choice. The choice ended up being obvious if 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 it was truly 50 50 then there would be uh, for an audience to be like oh my god 
do they actually have to choose or are they going to defeat the choice? But right. no, in the end, it's just, it's like, it's like, well, hang on. This demon kind of, this, this demon slash the writers of the movie stacked it in the favor of Angela and Victor, because, right? So, and, so, and, and so it's like, there's no, therefore there's no that? payoff. Therefore, right. there's no there's no emotional payoff to where he's like he's like it oh is, my daughter. It's like okay, well you it's, kind of it's spoil the plot this. armor. She's she's basically armored up with plot. Like it's it's yes. the plot armor that the movie has given her because we're yeah. already in the beginning of the movie. We're putting so much <laughs> so much interest in this one character versus the other. Yeah. So anyway, let's you know what I've I I don't know what else like any gripe. The only other let, like let me, yeah, the one gripe through. was like the. The you know this is fine. This is fine. This is normal. This is fine. We 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 broke into your house to bless. It's fine. This is normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, like yeah. that's my favorite. Like and then the, favorite, the not favorite yeah. Part. But I um, okay. So then, let, you know, there's then, the body and the blood scene. Well, the body and the blood. The body and the blood was trying the to trump the, blood. the scene. Yeah, the yeah, body and the blood. The what that was that was supposed to be an echo of the the piano party scene in the first movie, which right. is very creepy when. Reagan just comes in and she she tells a guy you're going to die and then she she just pisses on the carpet. She's standing there and she just pisses. And so it's very creepy because it 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 adds to this whole thing of this this poor woman just has this sick daughter and nobody knows what's going on and we know that she's yeah. possessed but they don't know what's going on. So it's very creepy. Whereas this, as all modern sequels go, it's like, well, we have to take that scene and we got to make it bigger. So how about she walks into an entire church congregation and starts screaming about the body and the blood and like freaking out. That stuff will... was less effective than when she's just sitting in the pew. She's just sitting in a church pew and she's like, she's like this. She's like, look, and her, okay, so and her, and her siblings, right. her siblings are, her are siblings looking are at her. Frightened of her. They're, they're looking at her and she's like. Yeah. Or she's like playing that, with her feet. And yes. Okay. And that was that whole, okay, all of that stuff. All of that stuff, though, like it reminded me of like real life stuff because it, it did feel like. Because, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent. I go to church and a lot of times like my kids act up and, and, and stuff. But it does remind me of times like. And I don't know, I don't have a specific instance in the top of my head, but it does remind me of like when you see a family who maybe has a as a, uh, a child in their family that may have some like some mental disorder or something, um, you know, and, and they're acting up and they're, it's like embarrassing for them. And it's like uh, and, you know, some people some people are used to it and some people aren't used to it. And, uh, and it kind of reminded me of that. Cause it's like, there's some real, there's some like thread of realism at those scenes. But then of course it gets like, it goes to the, like the body and the blood, creepy, really creepy stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, I agree. I think that, I think all like the, her playing with her feet and like, like her toes and all that stuff. was like, Oh, it's so like, it was so like simple. Good, but effective. That was good stuff. Really effective yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. okay. And, so and can we go. Angela has the same stuff. Angela has like, just, just like even, even down to her dad. Um, I really enjoyed the scene where, so his daughter, the only person in his life, is is gone for three days, and then she comes back, and so he's happy. He's he's a dad who's like, oh, my daughter's back. This is great. So he he um he cooks he he makes her breakfast, and brings right. her breakfast in bed, including ice cream which was just kind of sweet where he's like, even Rocky road doesn't get you out of bed. Like it's a sweet scene. 
But then he goes in there and she's she's like comatose. And then he realizes that she's pissed herself, uh, echoing, you know, the, the that scene in, in the first movie. And so it's yeah. it's it is it's so effectively creepy where you have this dad who thinks that he's out of the woods, he thinks the worst is behind them, and he then has to you're like, no, it's not done. It's it there's she is haunted. And and it all that stuff is so effective. And that's that's why anybody saying this movie is one thousand percent trash. It's like the movie really is effective up until the final exorcism scene, unfortunately. But um all that stuff you really feel for the dad. Just like in the first movie, you're really feeling for this mom who just wants answers and, and can't get it. So then it works when he starts when he after that starts to realize maybe this is over my head and he, and he seeks out Chris and he actually goes to her home. So so here's where I'll complain about stupid things. So um uh oh, you, you know, I wrote the, the, the extras and sequel stuff. What I'm just I'm kidding. Just go on. Sorry. Well, I didn't hear you. But the exorcist sequel stuff was spot on at first. Her her purpose in the plot was great at first, but then it was short-lived and then it was pointless in the end. It was absolutely pointless. So there was no need for her. But um, I mean it was it was as pointless as the cabin scenes were in Evil Dead Rise, right? Where it's like, well, this is Evil Dead, so we gotta have a cabin scene in here, right? Even though it has nothing to do with the, the movie. We we have to appeal to the to the franchise. So um and even to the point where during the, the exorcism, they kept cutting to Chris in the uh, hospital. And you're like, okay, how, how is this going to pay off? And it never did. It, other than, other than her literally getting payoff in real life. Right. Um, but one of the, one of the cheapest phrases, one of the worst lines of the movie was Chris talking to Victor and saying, hey, dude, this is real, and you got to wrap your head around this. I know you're an atheist, but you can't be an atheist anymore. you got to wrap your head around the fact that Satan is real. And and I, I personally, me, frankly, uh, I think that m the majority of atheists are comforted by atheism because to actually believe in the devil is very frightening. So it's very comforting to go... Well, if, if God isn't real, Satan isn't either. And therefore, I don't I have nothing to worry about. It's a very terrifying thing to realize that the devil is out there. That's that I, I, I think most atheists are comforted by just being like, you know, he's not. No, he's not. But that's that's I'll leave that over here. When it comes to Chris, though, she has one of the cheapest lines in this movie where she mentions how these two priests came to her house to solve this problem for her. You know, I see your face. You see where I'm going. I, I, I'm, I'm just you like, I'm I, I am. I need to put, I need to put a finger on the chart, the Chucky rant. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, <laughs> hold up. I have, I still have it. I never got rid of it. I still have it to this day. Uh, here we go. Everybody. Okay. Welcome back. Okay. Chucky rants. Because okay. I know exactly the thing you're talking about, and I also kind of yes. like I, I groaned a little bit to be honest. I did, yes, groan, but it was more and, because and, and, I was and like, let me lay it out. Let me explain right. why you groaned. Lay, lay it out for us. Let Ms. me lay Grant. it out because she says specifically, she says they didn't something like they didn't let me in the room. They didn't like why weren't you involved? It's like they didn't let me into the thing. Why didn't they let you into the thing? And she says I, because I'm not a member of the patriarchy. And immediately 
the reason even you, Mr. Progressive McCurdy, the reason even you groan is because that's not why she wasn't invited. If you go back and watch the original movie here, let me just bring this back here. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my God. So close. (laughs) You go back and watch the original movie the whole time. She's a mess because any parent would be an absolute mess because their child is inexplicably I, I possessed by Satan. I felt the same thing. I so, felt the same way. Because I'm like, I, I had just watched the movie. And I was like, yeah, that's like, wait, you're telling me that's three? Because I'm like, no, like you were freaking out. And they were like, no, get her out of okay. here. So subtract, subtract exorcism and insert surgery. If your right. daughter had brain cancer and you had two doctors who just so happened to be male operating on her, any family member, mother, father, anybody would be removed from the room because the whole time they'd be like, oh my God, you're cutting her scalp open. You're cutting her head open. Oh my God, her brains. The first thing any doctor does is say, get them the hell out of here because family members emotionally cannot handle watching a surgery or whatever it may be let alone an exorcism where you're like splashing holy water on their face and it's burning. And, you know, the first thing you would do is you would say, get mom out of here. The whole movie, she's screaming at doctors. She's, she's, it's very understandable. Everybody watching can sympathize with this woman who is like, just somebody fix my daughter. I have like a hundred doctors and none of them can fix her. So it's it's incredibly frustrating for her to say, why weren't you involved in the exorcism? Is no different than saying, why weren't you involved in the surgery to remove your daughter's brain cancer? Because you're not a fucking doctor, you retard. Like it's it's so it's unbelievable that she would say that it was sexism that was the root cause for why she didn't partake in the exorcism of her daughter. It's so insultingly stupid. And I, I'm like, who wrote that? Who, who is responsible for putting that in there? Because that, that's one of those things where I just go, uh, that's something that single-handedly could put this in the, in the realm of trash. I don't care if two-thirds of it was, was really good and creepy and effective. The moment she uttered that line, I was like, oh, so whoever wrote this didn't understand the first movie. That's, that is only appealing to today's uh, sociopolitics and goes to show that they have no idea what they're talking about. And then I was like, okay, throw this movie in the trash. That's a stupid line. <laughs> it's, it's, it's irresponsible. It's ridiculous. And that mom, you think that you think that in the first movie, they, they were like, ma'am, we're going to go in there. Uh, you shouldn't come with cause some crazy stuff's going to happen. And guess what happened? Both priests died. They both, gave their lives and she's like those sexist bastards is like uh, you cunt you are a fucking cunt for uttering that line like that was that was so inexcusable that i was just like yeah that that the moment she said that i was like this movie sucks that was the turning point for me and then from there on the movie sucked so where do you want to rank it uh pull throw up your list boom because i did have a thought when I uh, saw when you we were talking about it, I think here's the thing. I think Megan overall is a better movie than this. Yeah. Um, so I actually would probably put it. 
probably put it next to Barbie, actually. Now that I'm looking at this list. It is extremely okay. effective. Here's the thing. Let, let me let me lay it out why I would I would say that. Some of it, I, I'm and I'm gonna say it's not because of your your beliefs on Barbie because I, I I do think Barbie's not a bad movie, but it is a messy third act. Whatever, we're not gonna I go down. I pretend Barbie doesn't exist. Barbie, you, in my you, view, Barbie should be you. a lot lower. So I it pretend triggers you, where it is, but I, I think it's still it. a much better. It, okay, on the same note of Barbie, though, <laughs> I think the way in which it's directed. In the way in which it is is uh, every, every aspect of it that doesn't necessarily involve particularly the script or the story or how the end of the movie happens uh, is 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 very high level stuff. And I, I I do appreciate this movie for its its subtlety. I think it is very effective when it needs to be. It doesn't do any goofy stuff like other movies on like we've seen, like the Pope's Exorcist or Evil Dead Rises, um, or even the Nun Two, as far as the kind of the same genre and same supernatural type aspects. Um, however, I think it definitely, as we've kind of said, is like the ending of this movie really, really undermines a good chunk of the good stuff in this movie. So that's where it like it kills itself. But I do think the way in which it's made is a lot better than a lot of these other movies on um that are on the bottom part of this list. So that's where I'm kind of like, I think it would probably just on like uh, we've said outclassed before, I think on the outclassed spectrum of things, I would probably put it somewhere near Barbie above below somewhere on those, that, that area. Because I think yeah. when I look at missing again, I've always gone back to missing and Megan. I think when I come to those movies, I think you and I are maybe just a little far apart on Megan, but I do think Megan as a whole doesn't necessarily undermine its ending as far as the robot fight goes, because it's still like they, it's something they, they set up. It's something that is representative of like her and the, and the characters as well as like how the, uh, uh, how that whole movie is just about like having to become a mom or be, or, or family in, in those regards. And like uh, it, like the theme and everything is very well aligned, like throughout that whole movie. I think in the same way as missing, I think the closer, I think missing is a little bit closer because I do think that third act is a little, I kind of agree with you a little bit more on missing where it's like, yeah, missing's endings a little, a little messy and how they go about it because that movie is very effective. You're very much on the edge of your seat for a good chunk of that movie. Um, twists and turns in a good it way. It twists and turns very well, but I think the ending of it is just kind of like, it's still there, but it's, it's, it's a little, little messy. Um, and then that kind of brings us to the machine where I, I could, that's where I'm starting to see this, where we're somewhere in this, this level. I think at its highest, maybe above the machine, I think at its lowest, I think at its lowest, I don't know. I think, I mean, there's scream six, there's, there's mario there's dumb money let me take like, over then because kind of where i'm at is i'm looking at i'm looking at above or below scream and i'm thinking maybe um i'm thinking maybe just below scream because what i start to look at when it comes to these franchise movies is how effectively that's not a bad, that's not a bad spot when it when, yeah when it comes to specifically when it comes to how they operate within their own franchise. So I said repeatedly, Scream 6 is the weakest Scream movie. It, you know, go watch that episode. It, it is, it is the, the most piss poor of, of Scream movies. Indiana Jones is not when it comes to Indiana Jones. It's, it's like 
Uh, it's got its faults. It but is it's, the it's, second it's, worst. It's it's near the yeah. bottom of the barrel, but it's not the worst. Yeah. Whereas with this movie, this is like effective for most of it, and then just like becomes uh, really crappy by the end. It's it's not it's not the mess that something like Blue Beetle is. Um, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in the realm of like Indiana Jones is better. Like I think Indiana Jones is better. Okay. I think I will, Scream is like uh, Scream. I could I maybe like even 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 so far as like there's a full arc between the sisters in Scream is enough for me to say it's it, Scream is better, and that this would be just above Super Mario Bros, which is like uh, I mean we're in the, the Mario we're the Mario the movie is I'm, I'm, yeah. here's here's my here's just where I'm I'm going to fight you a little bit. Again, Scream 6 has continuously when we get to any movie that gets over there, I always am like this movie's better than that movie because of this reason. And this reason alone is that even though there may be a, a whole arc with the sister, I think my big my again, my biggest complaint about that movie is there's a lot of kill scenes that don't end up in actual deaths. So they yeah. really kind of they're they're always continuously like, oh, yeah, like death is almost meaningless in this movie where multiple times a character should have died to make a bigger impact in that movie. And they don't. And it's like, oh, actually, they're OK. Oh, actually, they're OK. And it happens yeah. more than once to the point where it's like it really is like, OK, is this a is this supposed to be a scary movie? Um, and and that's where I'm like, I think when I compared this to Scream, I think this is a better directed movie. I think this is a better uh, it takes its time a little bit more. I think it makes one of my favorite moments. way more effective in this movie, even if people don't die, it, it, yeah. even if not as many people die in this movie. Uh, I think the scares are way more effective in this movie than they are in screen. Yes. So I one would of my say moments above is there, there, uh, because what you need and, and what I kind of wish would have happened is that you have at first you have the exorcism scene is this weird uh cacophony of noise of all these people praying and screaming and there's all this craziness but then it does cut and suddenly we slow down suddenly they're taking a break and that's what you needed even to the point where the dad walks out and he goes up to the the catholic priest in the car and he says hey the war is inside you know you needed that moment you needed a chill break i wish there would have been a second chill break and and yeah. like because this this movie easily could have added twenty minutes, and that twenty minutes oh, yeah. should have gone into the exorcism scene to make it as emotional, like just like Creed. Creed should have added 10, 10 minutes to the fight. It would have been great. So when you when you reach that point though, when you reach the chill out, right? So you got the big all the noise, then it cuts and everybody's chill. One of the one of the best just little moments of the movie was that Victor is sitting in the room with the two possessed girls and they're, they're tied back to back in a chairs and he's just looking at them. And just at the same time, both of them just turn and look at him. And it was very reminiscent of something like uh evil dead rise where, you know, the mom through the peephole, right. Just, just to take a moment to let that evil just look you in the face and even though it can't reach out and grab you, it can still manipulate you emotionally. Like those those moments were effective. So as, as I've been saying all night, anybody saying this movie is because uh, who is it? I think Cordy Manor was sending some in their discord was sending some uh, reviews from something, maybe Reddit or something saying this movie is like 
absolute garbage or saying that it's even worse than the exorcist two. No, this movie's better than the exorcist two. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's definitely better than the exorcist two. Uh, uh, anybody saying that it's worse is being hyper emotional. They're being very reactive. Uh, this movie is very effective up until that third act. And so I, I'm, I'm with you in saying that it's better than scream six so far as um uh yeah scream six has that character arc but this has the effective first two thirds of the movie and and by I think, that and i mean like everything up and until I, the and even then i also will also say i think there is still a good arc with the dad and uh the daughter and i think the thing that if if it were me if it were up to me and i'm like okay ryan what would you do to re what would you do to fix this movie i would have like I would have streamlined a lot of the movie. I would have taken the nurse and character and I would have just made that Chris, you know, like make that the actress lady and then make her yeah. like, like almost like a mystery or something, or maybe fate. not even make her a neighbor. She talks something. about fate. She's like, I, right. I was destined to live next to you. Can you imagine Get if rid Chris of the... was live next to, to them? Like it, and and it was have like her, maybe, maybe get rid of the friend character of the dads and then make it fine. And like, if you're going to, okay, if you're going to go on this whole route of like, we're not going to have the Catholic church in this movie, because for whatever reason, the filmmakers made it a point to make it a point. Uh, then like fine but like maybe and you're keeping in with the the haiti stuff well okay great what if what if uh chris is friends with this uh this haitian priest and she's the one who helps do this and maybe the the end of the movie isn't is a is kind of a, just a little more streamlined a little different and then if you're going to bring in like the the baptist you know the baptist pastor maybe kill him maybe find find a reason why like he's not as like maybe even add a little more element of like, oh, he's in it for the the money, he's in it for the the fame, and and then like the friend should have that. been killed. The, you know, the, the friend with the well, glasses. That's what I'm saying. In my version, you get rid of the friend. Like, don't even killed. have the friend. You know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I'm just but, saying, but, like, but you could, like, there's a lot of some residue on to fix it. You had a Catholic priest who we we knew nothing about him. And he I just, liked he was, the and here's the thing. I liked him because I, I felt like he really I, he seemed like somebody who went out of his way to be like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be the best Catholic priest on film because he really like to me. It was like, yeah, that's exactly how I've met many Catholic priests. They just seem exactly like this guy. But I, I think they just like they don't do the best for that character. And it's kind of a shame. I'm just like, yeah, he came in down. and it was like he's comes here. in. And then 30 seconds later, he's dead. And it was just like, yeah, okay, I'm like, that, that was that okay. was for shock value. And you're like, nah, you got your shock value, but it it, it just ends up falling flat. because. So are we in agreement, though, here? Are we going to say below Indiana Jones above Scream 6? Because I, I, I feel very comfortable in that realm. I think I think it's in the perfect area where it should go. Uh, as yeah, far as I'm, movie, I'm, I'm there. I, I, I'm like I do, to... like, like you do make a lot of points. Is like this movie isn't a hundred percent terrible. I think two thirds of it is actually genuinely really good. And then, yeah, we get to that end, and it's just like yikes, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I went ahead and made the change. I am mobile. I'm mobile, so uh, mobile. I can't, I can't show it in real time. But uh, we are plugging in at position twenty six. Below Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but above Scream 6. It's a good spot. I it's dig that spot. spot. Somewhere but, in the uh, middle. 
and 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 <laughs> I've 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 covered everything. I think uh, again, anybody saying it's like the lowest of the low and it, and it, that it's the worst Exorcist movie, I disagree because it has it has something that you can latch onto and care about for the majority of it. Whereas Exorcist Two, there's just the whole time watching it. I, I'm 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 like I, I've said before that the worst way that you can describe a movie is that it's boring. But when it comes down to it, when you have nothing to latch onto, and you're saying, "What is the purpose of this? Why why should I care?" And then after you watch the movie, you go and research it, and even the filmmakers say, "Oh, we didn't care either." You go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> you know, we we have a we have a mutual friend who who will say. Uh, uh, nobody ever sets out to make a bad movie. Everybody who's ever tried to make a movie ever, they're they're really trying hard to make the most incredible movie. No, 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 no. Some people really do just set out. And I know John Borman probably tried to make the movie good, but uh, the the producers were like, no, we're not setting out to make anything of quality. We're, we're well, just trying Zardoz, to cash in on the craze. I don't know. He made Zardoz. I don't know. You know. Zar Zardoz? What? The 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 Sean Connery movie oh, with the yeah, floating well, heads and the yeah I yeah I've never seen that movie but I have seen Excalibur and it's one of the best movies ever so, so I don't I don't I don't know but uh, John Borman though he 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 did he was like I want to make a movie with a pre-sold audience where I can kind of explore the spiritual but what ends up happening is that uh, Exorcist Two is a lot about um hypnosis and people being joined by hypnosis and then also that anybody that's ever been possessed by pazuzu is a spiritual warrior who's going to usher in the next phase of human evolution where everybody is kind of linked this sounds uh, amazing this sounds like incredible it sounds so great good. and then the e execution is terrible so so it Sounds this movie like this it. movie is clearly above that. It is clearly right. better. Than I, I think I think too. when you just even just even how in which the girls are they go off together and like I was on the edge of my seat. It's like it's a yeah. it's a really good way of getting you into the movie as far as like they go off together. They try to try to talk to the dead. You don't know what happens to them for three days. They come back. They're possessed. And then like the, the those, they, we again, do those the same scenes, thing the original did is we're trying to figure out what's wrong with scenes them. are all that. I stuff. mean, I, I was, I was clenched up because they're like, they're receiving their RA. I don't want to look away. I was like, I like, usually, ah, yeah, it was good yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of which, um, speaking of which, you have anything else you want to add? No, I'm good. Uh, I'm good go. too. Boom. For Lydia these, these and Olivia, ladies. yeah, Lydia and Olivia. So good on them. They 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 done good. Yeah, you would think that we would put like you know what's her face from the original. I'm like no, no. These these two like <laughs> they they do an incredible job of being incredibly sweet and then creepy and then just yeah. even more creepy. And then on top of that, they have to wear uh, makeup for a good chunk of the time they're on there. And you know they're good yeah. at what they do. So, yeah. So again, on when, just like uh, just like Evil Dead, where it's like, we, well, we have to have the cabin again. I reiterate, it was we have to let's bring in Chris. And if if they would have brought in Chris, because like 
Victor's watching her on YouTube and all that stuff was cool. Where it's like, what happened to Chris after the events of the first movie? That right. was interesting. That actually added to the lore. But then the moment that she joined in, it, it, he goes to her, Victor goes to her house. Then he leaves. That should have been it. She should have, she should have just not been any part of it. But instead it was, she's going to be a part of it because she said, I don't know where my daughter is. So then at the end of the movie, uh, Linda Blair walks in and is like, it's me, mom. I, I, I basically, I caught wind that you were blinded and now I'm here. And it's supposed to be this cathartic moment, but instead it, it just ended. It felt like a cash grab for them. It didn't do anything for the movie. It, it's, it's, I'm very, very cynical about it. Uh, whereas these two girls are, they went through the same experience that Linda Blair went through where, you know, and, and they went through it collectively, which is interesting to have these, the, the, the movie having two girls, I know I sounded kind of cynical when I, in my quick review, but the movie having the two of them together, uh, isn't just upping the ante. It was interesting. I wish that would have paid off better. I kind of wish that both of them had a had an in-depth backstory so that you really didn't want either of them to go and that one of them dying would have had more, uh, you know, emotional impact. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that them as actresses, uh, they, they, they were impressive. They were the best part of this movie. Uh, Victor's a great actor, but these girls made the movie. Um, they deserved more. If there's a director's cut at some point that expands on them, great. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, otherwise they, Here's, they, they're, they're the ones they are the chosen ones. No heroin. I mean, I sipped once for one of them and I'm going to sip. Oh, nice. Again. Where's my remote? Hold on. Where's my remote? I've been wanting to do this every time we do this. Is I want to do the... Oh, wait. We can't see it because my... Is the camera rainbow? Yeah, we go. Rainbow colors. Here, hold on. Let me just put okay. this in the... Take that down for a second. There we go. Yay, Yay! We did it! All right. To Lydia and Olivia. Ah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.